Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. It is so good to be here. Greetings from the fertile fields of Vandalia. Um, uh, Amber and I have had uh, just the great honor, the great pleasure of being down in, in Vandalia pretty much every Sunday since 2018. It has been awesome. It's awesome to see what God is, is doing down there. But we could not do it without you guys and your support, your, your prayer support, your financial support, your encouragement. So thank you uh, for supporting what, what God is doing in Vandalia. But it is fantastic to be, to be back here. Does that sound loud to anybody else besides me? It's very powerful. So we're starting a brand new series uh, today about grace gifts, called Grace Gifts. But first, I want to tell a little story. The first job that I ever had uh, was in the, the early 90s, was Little Caesar's Pizza Pizza. And in the, there, there's a certain understanding today about what Little Caesar's is, and it's hot and ready, and you just go in and get your cheap pizza, and then you get out. Not in the early 90s, friends. In the early 90s, we cared about pizza. We were passionate <laughs> about quality ingredients. We, we mixed our own sauce. We made a combination of mozzarella and some Munster cheese. Yes, it was, it was wonderful. Carrie and I met almost 30 years ago at Little Caesars on Cork Street. We might be getting old. Not Carrie, but me. Uh, and... And so I also met my lovely wife at Little Caesar. So it was a very significant time in, in my life. I found a couple of pictures uh, from my time. And apparently you don't take pictures very often when you go to work when you're 17, 18, 19 years old. But you do on Halloween. Um, and so here is sweet, sweet Amber dressed as a clown at, at Little Caesar's. And uh, I'm giving her a little hug there. On the bottom, inappropriate PDA. But the only, the only picture I could find of me in the uniform was there standing behind Amber's little white Hyundai there. All right, so, yeah, so I just wanted to introduce myself to you guys, the little Caesars guy. Here I am. And mostly it's just pictures of my beautiful wife, Amber, but that's okay. Um, and so we worked together in the, in the early 90s at Little Caesars. And in those days, Friday and Saturday nights, we're hopping, right? It was hot from like 5.30 to 8.30 something, three hours of craziness, right, as we are trying to work together to get those pizzas out the door. And our boss, PJ, was a great guy, missed that guy, uh, we, he had us running like a well-oiled machine, right? Everybody came in on Friday night and they knew exactly what they needed to do. We had three people working the counters. We had four people on the phones. We had two people on pie board, right? And that's where you make the pizzas for you lay people. Uh, we had two people on landing. That's where you take the pizzas out of the oven. You had one person on breads. Maybe you had a floater, right? And so for three hours, it is intense. Remember, Carrie? It was fun. It was exciting. We would all work together. Everybody knew their position. Everybody knew that their part was, was valuable, and we needed everyone pulling together so we could effectively get those pizzas into those homes so people could have great family time or something, or whatever it was, 
or parties. It was one or the other, right? And so if everyone did their job, everything went great, right? People are answering the phone, taking accurate orders, getting them to pie board. Amber's slamming out the pepperoni and the pizzas and the Supremes, maybe the pizza by the foot, which is a ridiculous special. We, Little Caesars was great. They had these every quarter or every couple months, right? They had this new thing. And one of them was pizza by the foot. So we got this special four-foot-long box that we would put the pizza in, and people would carry these multiple four-foot-long boxes, try to fit them in their car to take their pizza home. But it was cool. And there was one where you got a, a life-size or a door-size poster of a basketball player. I don't know what that was. Something like that. Anyway, that's not important. If everybody at Little Caesars did their job, the, the pizzas got out on time and effectively. But if someone called in sick, Right? or somebody didn't know what they were supposed to be doing, or somebody didn't take their job seriously, suddenly everything begins to fall apart. And if you think, oh, Little Caesar's quick, just it's hot and ready, I'm going to go in. I remember telling people, it's going to be an hour and a half or two hours before you can come pick up your Little Caesar's pizza. And they were like, that's great, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, all right. And so if everyone at Little Caesars, right, on a Friday or a Saturday night knew what they were doing, everything would go smoothly. But if they, they forgot, if they, they didn't do their job, they called in sick, then things, like I said, begin to fall apart. The, the wait times go up, pizzas get burned, pizzas get put in the, the wrong bags, right? People get angry, and the, it's, just, it's just a mess. And what I learned from that is that everybody at Little Caesars, no matter if you were a counter person or a phone person, whether you're on the pie board or landing, every single one is vitally important. And now the church is exactly like, is similar to Little Caesars, right? <laughs> Right? We, too, have a purpose. It's not getting pizzas out the door. Right? We are extending the kingdom of God. We're making disciples. Right? We're doing life together to bring the, the kingdom into our fallen world. Right? And so we also have this purpose. We have this mission. And each and every one of us has a part to play. Right? No no matter where you are at, no matter what gifting you have, you are vitally important to the, to the completion of the goal of the mission of the church. Mm -hmm. right? Each one of us has been given a spiritual gift or a grace gift for the benefit of the church and for the benefit of the world. So obviously we are talking about spiritual gifts and... Um, you might ask the question, well, why are we talking about spiritual gifts in the middle of a, a year on grace and truth? Well, the, the word grace in the original language of the New Testament authors uh, is the same word as the word for grace. It is charis or charis. In Romans 12, 6, here is a verse that says, we have different gifts, charismata, which is the plural form of charis, according to the grace, charis, given to each of us. Right? And so we could think of this, uh, you know, we have different gifts according to the gift given to each one of us. Or we have different graces according to the grace given to each of us. 
Or as I like to think of it, and as we're going to think as we walk through this over the next few weeks, right? We have different grace gifts according to the grace gift that was given to each of us. And this word charis is also found in our theme verse for the year in John chapter 1. In verse 16 it says, For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. We have received gift upon gift. Grace gift upon grace gift. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Right? And so we've talked for uh, many months for what, about what grace is. And, and in the last series, we started to begin talking about what grace does. And we are going to continue that in this series about what grace does in and through us as members of the body of Christ. And Paul talks about spiritual gifts in basically three main sections of the New Testament in Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, and Ephesians 4. And we spent the last month or so talking about Ephesians 4 and the fivefold ministry, the grace gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And we talked about how those grace gifts are gifts from Jesus for the maturing and the equipping of the church. But the grace gifts that we find in Romans and in 1 Corinthians are grace gifts that are given to every person who is a Christ follower. These are God-given, God-revealing, God-empowered abilities for the common good of the church. And every single one of us has one or more of these grace gifts, and they include, but they wouldn't be limited to, things like prophecy, serving, teaching, giving, encouraging, leading, healing, speaking in tongues, and such things. And, and we have three different lists, plus a couple other things from the book, uh, one of Peter's letters. Um, and, but what we don't have is an exhaustive list. Right? Even if we combine all the, the lists from the New Testament, I don't think that we have an exhaustive list, but something that is descriptive of what supernatural or what uh, spiritual gifts look like. And so in the upcoming weeks, we're actually going to talk about some uh, specific gifts, but our goal today actually is to look at the purpose and the foundation of these grace gifts. And to do that, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay? Just two chapters of Paul in the New Testament. So both these letters, like I said, were written by Paul, but they're written under quite different circumstances and for quite different purposes. First, Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth, and that is the green arrow there, just west of Greece. And this was a church that Paul had founded, that he had spent many years at, that he, he knew the people, and he was writing the letter in response to a letter that they had written him, and he was bringing some correction. There was some divisions happening in the church, and there were some problems in the order of worship. And so he's writing this letter to the Corinthians to address some of those problems. But then he also addresses spiritual gifts in his letter to the Romans. And the letter to the Romans, he's writing to this church that he did not found. He'd never been to the city of Rome before. 
And he was looking forward to going to Rome on his way to Spain to continue his evangelistic mission. Right? And so in order to prepare Rome for his arrival, he writes this beautiful letter that explains uh, the gospel as he understood it and the gospel as he had been proclaiming it. Right? So we have these two letters written by the same guy to two vastly different circumstances. And yet both of them, interestingly, in chapter 12 of our English Bibles, um, are addressing spiritual gifts. And they actually have a lot of things in common. They're both addressing spiritual gifts, like I said. In both letters, he says that these gifts are for the church, for the community, for the building up of, of the body of Christ. They are not to be used for individual gain, or they're not to be used as uh, markers of prestige. Right. In both letters, he says that these gifts are to be motivated by love. Both texts, he talks about body imagery. In both texts, he highlights unity within the body. And in both, he celebrates the di diversity of the manifestations of the spirit that are poured out on the church. And so we're going to look at the purpose and the motivation of these grace gifts revealed here, which are unity, diversity, and love. And we're going to see that each and every one of us has been brought into the body of Christ on purpose and with a purpose. Mm -hmm. right, you have a part to play. Mm -hmm. right, you are not a bench warmer. Right, you are in the game. Right? And that is the beauty of the spiritual gifts. So first I want to talk about unity. Right? The purpose of the, the grace gifts is not most significantly about what gift you have and how you compare to someone else. Right? It's actually this kind of thinking that brings pride. It brings division. And it seems to be what was happening at the church in Corinth. The church was elevating certain gifts above the others. They seem to be looking at the, the more spectacular, dramatic, eye-catching, supernatural-looking gifts. They, they saw them as more important, more significant, more prestigious, maybe, than the more humble, natural-looking gifts. So in my little Caesars season, when I attained uh, the, the landing position, I was taking those pizzas out, right? I would kind of scoff at the lowly phone people. <laughs> silly phone people, but we are all vitally important, right? And the spiritual gifts, you know, just like landing, <laughs> the spiritual gifts were not for our own power or our own prestige, right? They are for us to find out where we fit in in order to best serve the body of Christ, the church. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, saying, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly, think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So as we come into the church with this idea that our goal is to serve and to build up the church, to bring glory to God, we don't want to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. 
right? But we remember that each member belongs to the others. Each member belongs to the others. I love marching band. Anybody else love marching band? Yes. There's some marching band love. I love it, right? What I love about marching band is it is all inclusive, right? Every person in the band is on the field. They're all working together for the good of the whole. There are no stars in marching band. I was going to say that there's no picture of just one guy in a marching band that people are like, oh, I love this guy because he's the best trumpet player east of the Mississippi, right? That doesn't happen. Well, it might, I don't know. But here's a very handsome young man oh from the Otsego High School Marching Bulldogs. Woo! Look at that. <laughs> and when I, <laughs> I love it. We were going through pictures for Josh's uh, graduation party, and so obviously I stumbled across some pictures, and I was like, I can use these on Sunday morning. <laughs> right? So here I am at, uh, at my house on Franklin Street in Atsigo, getting ready for one of the amazing marching band shows at Atsigo Bulldog Stadium. And when I put that hat on and got my trumpet out, right, I was on the field and you could not tell who I was, usually. Josh plays uh, the baritone in the Porter's Northern Marching Band, and we have so many pictures of other random baritone players <laughs> because you can't tell, right? It's like, I think that's Josh. He's very tall. Right? And, and, so, so, but, and so there's this unity. We're all together. Right? And everybody is pulling together. Right? Everybody is all in, working together, playing their part for the good of the whole. And there's a lot more to me than, than marching band. This was me playing, a, I think that I was playing at the Algon County Fair with a Social Blunder. So I have long hair there. You can't tell. So. Unimportant. Okay. <laughs> Moving back to 1 Corinthians, Paul says, just as one body, or just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Right? We all have a part to play. We are all important. We are all bringing unity. The body is to be united. Right? And we build unity as we serve one another with our grace gift and as we value one another's grace gifts, okay? But uh, our unity doesn't mean that we need to be the same, right? We are not called to conformity, but we are called to unity. We don't need to be identical. This is what happens when you look identical, right? <laughs> you don't think for yourself. You are a tool of oppression in the galaxy, right? You cannot hit anything. No matter how accurate Obi-Wan tells Luke that you are, right? You are no good to anyone, right? We don't want to be stormtroopers, these faceless conformists, right? We have been given different gifts, and we celebrate the diversity of our giftings. Like in the 2005 video game Republic Commando, where you play... So these are also, if you kind of look, these are also kind of like stormtroopers. They're clone troopers. But it is an elite squad, Delta squad, of Republic Commandos. And in the video game, you play Boss, who is kind of the leader uh, of the group. But you also need Sev, who is the sniper. You need Scorch, who is kind of the, the explosives guy. And you need Fixer, who is the technician and the medic. 
And in order to get through the game, right, you need everybody being able to do their part. Sometimes you got to get through that blast door and you have Scorch blow it open. Sometimes you got to hack through a computer and you get Fixer to go in there. Sometimes you got to take out a, a nameless, faceless stormtrooper on the other side of the map and that's when you get Sev into the action, right? And so there's all of these different diversity of giftings. Not supernatural spirit giftings, but natural talents. You see what I'm saying? These are not Holy Spirit endowed figures. Okay? So we want to celebrate our diversity because it's in our diversity that we're actually able to better accomplish what God has called us to do. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Right? So we can't accomplish it if we are all the same. We need our head and our feet and our hands. Every part supplies. And before we, we move on, I think it's important to remember that it is easier and it is more comfortable for us to be with people that are like us. Right? And we see this all over the place, right? Conservatives hang out with conservatives and listen to conservatives and liberals hang out with liberals and listen to, to liberals and, I don't know, prophetic people hang out with prophetic people and listen to prophetic people and reformers hang out with other reformers and listen to the reformers and charismatics. We like to hang out with charismatics and listen to charismatics. We can end up in this echo chamber of people who act and think and look at the world exactly like we do. And I think that this is okay, right? It's okay to hang out with people that you are similar to and that you like, but we need to recognize the value of different viewpoints and different ideas. We need to listen and grow. We need to get outside of our little echo chambers. We must learn to, to value other people's gifts. We need to value other people's perspectives. Not everybody is going to look at life. Not everybody is going to approach a problem like we do. Right? Not everyone thinks like we do, and we need each other if we're going to fulfill our call to bear witness of Christ and bring the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Right? We need one another. We need to listen to other voices. We need to celebrate diversity in the body of Christ. Okay, diversity is important. Third is love. And this is the foundation. In both of these letters, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and the use that in our diversity, we flow in our spiritual gifts in order to express Christ-like love. In Romans 12, after introducing the, the gift list, he says, love needs to be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself. Right? And so he, he founds and he surrounds, he saturates the conversation of spiritual gifts with love as its purpose and its goal. 
And then in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul has this lengthy discussion about spiritual gifts and then launches into 1 Corinthians 13, a a famous passage often used rightly, I think, in weddings because it expresses the beauty of love. But in context, he's actually talking about uh, love in, in the context of spiritual gifts in right ordering of worship. Right? And so it's smack dab between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, both talking about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Right? He's just been talking about how some people are raising the, the gift of tongues above other things. And he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Right? He's addressing this, these, these prophets in Corinth that are exalting themselves. He goes on, he says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And I think that what Paul is getting here in in both chapters, in both sections, is that we're no longer our own, right? Our greatest goal is no longer our own uh, power, our own prestige, our our own self-exaltation, right? But our goal is now the glorification of God and the honoring of others for ourselves. Paul is telling us that we are to follow in the way of Jesus. Jesus who laid down everything, right? His power, his prestige, his place of honor. He laid it all down to come and to serve us. And we see that he is willing to to strip off his clothes and to wash the feet of his disciples taking the position, taking the role of a servant, washing the the dirt and the grime, the stink, the excrement of those first century streets off the feet of his disciples. It was humiliating. The job of the lowest servant. Yet Jesus did it to show us how we should love how we should serve one another. And as we use our spiritual giftings, whatever they may be, we do it in this context. To serve. To lay our lives down for someone else. And so we see that the the grace gifts, hopefully you see, that the grace gifts are these God-given, God-revealing, God-empowered abilities that are for the common good of the people of God. They are not for our own individual gain. They are given to us by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The gifts are motivated by love 
expressed in a diversity of manifestations and function in unity with one another for the common good of the church. And I'm looking forward over the next few weeks to to looking into some of the individual manifestations of the Spirit, looking at how Holy Spirit has gifted us and how we as a church can learn to to identify what our giftings are. And it's going to be really, really good. But we cannot go into that without this recognition, this, this message that Paul lays down for us, that these gifts are all about unity. We don't want to exalt one gift above another. And they're all to be done in the context of serving one another. And I have a couple minutes, praise the Lord. And I just have a a real short slideshow of... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) um, There's just some other uh, commonly asked questions that I thought it would be valuable that I couldn't fit quite into my perfectly designed three-part sermon here. Uh, So here's just a quick FAQ. Can spiritual gifts change? Can you develop one that wasn't your gift at first? I think it, well, depends on who you ask. But if you're asking me, I would say, sure, yeah, absolutely. I think Jesus can do whatever he wants. He can give a gift and he can give another. Uh, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Right. So I think if there is a gift that you want, Ask Jesus for it and pursue it, right? Because when we, we look at the, the range and we look at the, the function of the different gifts in, in Paul's gift list, it seems almost like any combination of talents or abilities, whether they are suddenly given like some of those supernatural gifts or they're something that, that you have learned a- along the way, as you enter into a relationship with Christ, as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are empowered to do that gift if you're using it for the glory of God and for the extension of his kingdom. So, that's my opinion there. What if you don't like your gift? Oh, man. (laughs) Serving? Dang it. (laughs) Well, my first thought would be that the gift is not for you. So don't worry about it, right? This is a, uh, it's for other people. So you can take this as a good opportunity to be Christ-like, to die to yourself, and to serve other people. Yeah. That's my first thought. There we go. Kathy would like me to stop there. Second, uh, my other thought is that if you, like, oh, I hate my gift, I think there's a good chance that you have misunderstood your gifting. And maybe you're operating out of kind of obligation or assumption, like, oh, I probably got served, so I better do that, Ugh, right? right? And, so, and I think that the goal of the gifts is to bring us life and to bring life into the body of Christ. So, can you use spiritual gifts in your secular job? No, you have to keep Jesus in the church. <laughs> Yeah, no, obviously that's not true. Yeah, they are for the common good of the church, but part of the role of the church is the promotion of the, the, the kingdom through our everyday work. Right, Jimmy? Uh, we don't want to create this like bifurcation of our secular lives and our Christian lives, and uh, we're going to go and prophesy at church, but then I just got to get to the grind, you know, in my day-to-day life, right? Uh, We have one life and we take Jesus everywhere to go. You can use the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your work. And we're probably going to spend a lot more time talking about that on June 8th. 
uh, at the Everyday Works seminar Saturday morning. So you should come out for that. Redeeming Works. Is Everyday Works something else? Okay, never mind. Redeeming Works. Okay, so last one. How do we discover our spiritual gifts? Well, there's actually a lot of diagnostic tools uh, in, on um, the internet, and you could get books. Here's one that you can use, kodachrome.org slash spiritgift. Uh, I did this this last week, and it was pretty accurate. But spoiler, for thousands of years, the, the church has worked to identify their spiritual gifts without some sort of technological assessment. Um, and so I think that these can be good, but they're never the end, right? This is never the, oh, that's what Kodachrome said, my gift is this, and so that's what I've got to do, right? It's a helpful guide that gets, gets us pointed in the right direction. But really, each one of us as Christians is responsible for praying, for searching our hearts, trying out different ministries, seeking feedback from mature Christians in order to figure out what our grace gift is, all right? So there you go. If you have any other questions, I would love to talk to you about grace gifts.